Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Claire. She has depression. Let's talk about it. Alrighty. Um. All right. Well, uh, here we all are. Here we are in the studio again with a guest in studio. Love which it. feels so Love good. Um, and uh, we're hanging out with Claire, who's been a long-time listener. So, Claire, first of all, thanks for supporting the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Claire is mentally ill. Is this actually what we're here to talk about? Today? Yeah, we actually are. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm, I'm joking. No, I be- actually have cancer. <laughs> no, I'm okay. No, we've done too many. We've done too many cancer episodes recently. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so so uh, we were jo- we were jokingly saying um, b- before the recording started about just like how how some people talk about mental illness. Um, and uh, and you jokingly said, I, I'm mentally ill, guys, when you walked in. And I thought that was, <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, but what's not funny is that Claire actually has anxiety and depression. <laughs> so, we don't joke about funny. that. Don't laugh. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Brian, I see you. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Claire, uh, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for being having here. me. Um, give us a little, give us a little like sort of intro. Who is, who is Claire? What's, what's your, what's your life all about? Oh, that's, that's a big question. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Claire. I'm, I just finished my degree at Dow in marine biology and French. Congratulations. That's like right on my, the top of my mind. And um, French or in French? And French. Oh, I was French. like, oh, they it's offer a really, a French it's a really weird course. degree. Um, I'm going to school to be a teacher in the fall and I like didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I like super last minute decided that. That's honestly um, like, that's the perfect thing though. Like when I was, I remember when I was in grade three, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And have you like, seen the meme that's like, why did we all want to be we, marine everybody biologists? Did. Everyone Good. did. There was the something about, is really fucking cool. Y- yeah. yeah <laughs> right? something about, I think too, we also grew up with Free Willy, which free I think Willy, like actually yep. played a really big role in that. I, I'm I'm serious. It is, I think it, that really did. I'm going to say something bold and controversial. I wanted to be a marine biologist because I went to SeaWorld, which is oh, wow. really bad Yeah, nowadays. wow, wow, wow. Whoa, <laughs> okay. whoa, whoa. Listen, listen. I don't like SeaWorld anymore. Because I just feel like, like there's not enough. I, I mean, I'm with you, Claire. I hear you. There's not enough SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need more SeaWorld. You know, again, like, again. But like, that was Claire's mentally ill, everyone. Just give her a break. <laughs> give her a break. You know, you know what's funny, though, is I actually also, so same thing for me. And, um, when I, I remember in grade three, I went to SeaWorld and then I came back and wanted to be a marine biologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually like got three of my friends together in my grade three class and we charted out the driving directions in a world map book 
from Nova Scotia to Florida because we were like, as soon as we're old enough to drive cars, we're driving to SeaWorld and we're going to be marine biologists. Like, <laughs> you didn't even have to go to, in my mind, you didn't even have to go to university. You just had to go to no. SeaWorld and, and then, you became and one. Then somewhere along, and then somewhere along the way, Brian actually just realized that he wanted to be a part of the team that captures and, and enslaves the animals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, One of my professors actually does that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" I oh, guess, boy. like, well, for, for the name of science, I no, guess. I'm, I'm, I'm not just shitting on Dal. That was, that was a, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but like my day to day life, um, I wake up. I'm anxious. Um, I also have a dog. He makes me anxious, but also helps with my anxiety. Uh, we're going to get into that. Um, I'm excited yeah. to talk about that whole thing. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a really, we were talking about him a bit earlier, but he's a, he's a, he's got his own mental health <laughs> issues. <laughs> and, but he's like, he's really good. Like, um, I think if he wasn't as fucked in the head, he could be a therapy dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is, is he kind of a therapy dog to you anyway? Yeah, he is. He's really good. Like I get panic attacks sometimes. Um, and not as much anymore since I got him a couple of years ago. Cause like he really hates it when I cry, very stressful for him. Mm-hmm. So immediately, like as soon as my breathing starts to change, he like hops up on my lap, oh, he like hits oh me, he'll, like cuddle up, like lick me on the face and just like keep me grounded. But then if the panic attack starts and I actually start to like cry and like really freak yeah, out yeah. and like breathe really weird, he's like, I'm out. Yeah. This really sucks. Yeah. And I'm gonna go hide under the bed. And then he starts having yeah. a pain. He's like, yeah. you're, you're, "You're past my threshold." Yeah. Uh, um, so I know that uh, I know that uh, anxiety and and depression are like kind of the two big things that we're gonna be talking about today. Yeah. Um, and this is not something that's like new to you. No. Um, it's been something that's affected you for for quite a while. Um, maybe take us back to like the early stages of your life and when you started to kind of. Um, in retrospectively, when, yeah. when, when did you kind of start to notice like, oh, things are not quite the way that they used to be? Yeah. If I like look back on my life and like think about like my mental health, like I think that I like, I don't know, I really started struggling when I was about 13. Um, so I'm like, I'm 22 now. I'm turning 23 this year. So it's been like 10 years of my life, like half of my life, basically that I've struggled with mental health in some way. But I just remember like, I don't know, being 13 sucks for everybody, Mm -hmm. but I just remember like, I don't know, like feeling like hopeless. Like I was like a kid and Mm. I was like, man, I hate this being alive. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was like really tough. I would like skip school. I would like lie to my mom and be like, man. I got a really bad headache today, mom. Stay home. And um, I was like a goody two shoes, like did really well in school. So she like was like, okay, like she's not like trying to skip out. So like if she's feeling sick, like I'll let her stay home. Like I believe her. But like it was because of like a different issue kind Mm -hmm. of that I was like lying to her pretending to be sick so that I could get out of going to school because I just like didn't have the energy to be there. Yeah. And then just like as high school went on, like things didn't get better. I kind of like kept everything like in to myself, sort of. Um, I think I like struggle a lot with like being a perfectionist. So that kind of like manifests in my anxiety quite a bit. Um, Like (laughs) I am like the oldest of three kids, like eldest daughter. It's kind of like a stereotype that they're like kind of like tightly wound (laughs) and like. I don't know, like feel like they have to like do everything perfectly. And that's like definitely me. Like I would like wig if I um, 
like got like a bad grade or something like full on panic attack, like crying in the shower. My life is over. I'm going to like perish and be homeless because Mm. I got a 42 on a math test Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like just not like rational thoughts. And do you like, do you think that the, like that, that, that this all stemmed from that experience of being the oldest no. Or like, or, or do you think, or like, you know, were, were there certain things? Cause like when I hear stories like this, um, I, you know, I know, I know quite a few people who, who at a very young age were like put in uh, dance, ballet in particular, in, yeah. in particular, or, um, or, I mean, you could even relate this to like, um, uh, gymnastics as well mm-hmm. but like there's these these sorts of things that like i think parents go hey we should put them into this thing because it's like good for their physical health and it's good for their body and it'll be good for their mind when uh, in reality things like gymnastics and things like ballet unfortunately like yeah. really fuck kids answer. up and and it fucks kids up in in like the perfectionism standpoint it fucks kids up in body image in really big ways and it's just because of the culture of the sport Mm -hmm. or the culture of the of the art that has been like ingrained in that thing for centuries and you know hopefully those things are changing Mm -hmm. as we as we evolve as as people but but you know in in looking back at your life like is there any kind of like can you pinpoint like where the the anxiety of life kind of stemmed from or is it just just too too much to kind of really put your finger on um oof, that's like <laughs> it is a little bit much to put my finger on but like no what you say about sports definitely like I think that started popping up for me probably even from a younger age than mm-hmm. like 13 like I always my parents were always like you have to play a sport because you have to be physically active like I don't know that's good whatever parenting they want me to like not sit around all day they want me to like experience things um but they always they put me in like they put me in dance and I am really bad at that so that was not great for my self-esteem that I was just like terrible at it and I did it for years Mm. um and like all the girls around me were like so much better (laughs) and I just like I just like couldn't get it um like I just I can't like my my brain does not communicate with my body sure like a way that looks nice. Um, anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know so funny is I went to, there's a, a, a walk-in dance studio here called House of Eights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went to it a few times with my girlfriend and, and she wasn't living here at the time. We like signed up for a 10 class pass or something. And, and, uh, she was with me the first three times and you, and you go in and at the start of the class, they like, They'll t- they'll, you do a warm up and then they teach you choreography and by the end of the class you you dance to a segment of a song, and so after I mean I I think I'm kind of cheap in some situations and I got this ten class pass and had these like classes financially to use cheap. and yeah yeah and and so I I wanted to like make use of the classes that I paid for, so I started going without Maddie and like the next session that I went to for the warm up we had to line up in in individual lines and you kiss the person to your left. (laughs) You (laughs) walked up to a a mirror and you had to freestyle dance at the start of class. Oh my God. And Oh my God. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, that, that gives me, I don't mean to like uh, use the word, but that actually gives me anxiety. (laughs) I'm so anxious. Oh my God. No. And I I went and, and and, did you do it? Yeah. And, And also the crazy part is that, that the people that go there, are people who used to dance 
competitively growing up. They and they, it's their like fitness sure, or like yeah. exercise yeah. or whatever. And I, I mean, Host of Eights <laughs> is amazing. It's a super welcoming yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Super inclusive. They made me feel so much at ease and at home there. Yeah. But, but then when you did that nothing. dance, they were like, you got to go and you can't come back. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's you like, got to go. So you like walk up to the mirror and yeah. it's like for like a count of like 10, you're like dance walking up to the mirror and I'm just like on my own. And then you just have to freestyle dance. Oh, oh, and, oh, and, and like, did you I'm, do like a magic mic type dude, thing? I don't what know. Did, like, what did you? I don't know. Did what you I wear did. a flat brimmed hat that you flipped around? Uh, uh, I, I honestly, like, I blacked out at that moment. Like, I just, like, yeah. I just let myself yeah, dude. go. That's with music. amazing. And, oh, and but the, but the interesting thing is, like, everybody like cheers in the moment because they yeah. know. I mean, it's no, no surprise that you that I don't know what I'm doing yeah. and that I'm just going and trying it anyway. And there's and they were like cheering and it was really, really, really nice. But holy fuck, what a yeah. like, what an experience of, of seeing other people who are so good at yeah. this thing, and like seemingly everybody's good yeah. at it. Now, as and, kids, you probably like, don't fuck. get that cheering part. No, like it's not you know no. yeah. because kids yeah. suck sometimes. You know, like like at a certain age, kids start to suck. Yeah, and they also suck the for like they suck for like a few years. They suck and then they the, get a they little suck better. a lot for a while. But yeah. I, I I was thinking like you're, I've I've had. Um, I've had like mild periodic uh, anxiety mm-hmm. and like, and I'm always, I'm always struggling with like chicken or the egg type of yeah. scenario. Like mm-hmm. what is it? Did something happen that made me feel this way or do I feel this way? And then, then that means then that, then I'm applying the way that I feel to like other stuff and or like what, what's going on. And I, God, like what is, how does your anxiety manifest? Like when, and, and my experience of anxiety has always been like, it's like nothing. Well, I guess it is kind of in my head, but it oh, it feels very physical. It feels yeah. primarily yeah. physical, and it's actually not until I've been feeling it for at least a few days that I actually make the cognitive realization that I'm feeling anxiety, mm-hmm. and and that that's what it is. I like for for the first little bit, I just feel like I feel like I feel like shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, I get like really tight feeling in my chest, like it's physical. Um, like, and like, I have like a lot of like, I don't know, like mental things. Like I ruminate on things a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just like constantly like thinking about the thing I'm anxious about and I'll like, I don't know, like I'll go through like a scenario and then like worst case scenario it. And then just like repeat that over and over again with like, I don't know. Like I'm trying to like simulate every possible thing that can happen. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I also feel like nauseous a lot. I mean, like I'm also medicated and that's one of the symptoms or the side effects of my medication. So like that doesn't help. Um, but yeah, mostly like just like tightness and like pain in my chest, Mm. like, um, and like the past, like, like three or four years, my anxiety like started getting like really worse and like a lot worse. Um, and like I've noticed my like chest gets really tight sometimes and like I can like pop my sternum like the oh, joint wow. in my sternum and wow, like wow. I feel like it's related to my anxiety. I did some like mm-hmm. WebMD doctor Googling like this is not coming <laughs> from my doctor. Um, but like I like I don't know what else it could be like I don't. I well, yeah, know. I mean like, like, it's like just like it, tension. I, it does, yeah. yeah, like I, I mean if we're if we are anxious, if we are if we are scared, if we are angry like that, th- there is there is real physical like physiological tension that builds up in your body yeah um you know when you're stressed out it's like it's in your fucking neck and it's like your shoulders Mm. and you know when you're when you're anxious a lot of for a lot of people it's like in your chest it's in your it feels like it's like in your sternum in your heart Mm -hmm. and you just like start to hold yourself 
not 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 conscious like subconsciously you just like yeah. you yes. start to hold yourself yeah. in a different way and if that is like if know, that continues that and compounds then yeah of course you're gonna be like yeah. popping <laughs> yeah. pop, you know, chest popping every time I, I you get a break dance pop lock it literally <laughs> pop I, I wanted to ask about um like jerry you're talking about sports and how that can yeah. lead to you know people feeling um anxious or this feeling yeah. of like perfectionism um i know for me, like I, I talk to my therapist a lot about perfectionism and for me it comes from like, uh, really like, I think a lot of it's from a lack of like having parents show affection to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, in my experience, because, you know, you want to be loved by your parents and they're not modeling love in a, in a proper way. Yeah. And you try to do all of these things to like get them to like you, mm-hmm. you know, like get them to like show you some sort of sense of approval. And my, like my experience is like, it's definitely multifactorial, like comes from sports and, you know, lack of my parents being able to show that love to me. But I'm curious, like when you, when you think back of in your past, like are there things that yeah. you're kind of like, Oh fuck that, that does seem a little bit weird. And maybe like, maybe mm-hmm. that plays a, part other than like sports and things like that i think it's just like not wanting people to be upset with me kind of like um yeah like i just i never wanted my parents to be mad at me like ever like if they like yelled at me or like like got like seemed like a little bit upset with me like devastating like i would just like cry like instantly same with my teachers like any form of like disapproval just like absolutely wrecked me as a kid um still does but i can like hide it a little bit better um and like i once i was like done with dance and stuff like back to the sports thing i played like i played hockey for like seven years and that was absolutely not the environment for me i like did so bad with team sports because i was so worried all the time that i was letting my team down Mm. i was letting my coach down um i was like worried that everyone on the team didn't like me like so i think like probably i just had like a few bad experiences with like i don't know maybe like people like getting upset with me over stuff and then it just like i never wanted it to happen again so i was like constantly like ruminating on it yeah is is there a actually fuck was this in the conversation we were having yesterday with owen maybe was he was he like it must i think it must have been and i don't and i I, in no way shape or form i'm like trying to introduce (laughs) like the question of of a of another thing that you are dealing with and 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 also and also the uh, the fact that who fucking knows like the interplay of the brain anyway. And if mm-hmm. like, so if you call this depression, you call this anxiety and you call this OCD, like what are the fucking lines between those things anyway? Yeah. We could try to diagnose, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, but something that, that, that a psychiatrist told us in a conversation that we recorded yesterday was that, was that, uh, anxiety and OCD, like they are, they're very much like meshed together mm-hmm. and often t- like because OCD you get a thought and then you loop the thought yeah, and you like replay that over and over Mm -hmm. again. And then anxiety sort of manifests from this loop. Um, has that ever been a conversation that you've ever had with, with somebody about OCD? If that, how that might fit Um, or anything? No, my, my therapist, um, like she, uh, like wasn't like a psychologist, so she couldn't diagnose me with anything, but she would say like in her session, she would go, that sounds like an OCD thought pattern which like gave me kind of the idea. And then when I like spoke to my doctor about like getting on like medication and like steps I could take, cause I was like in like a very, very dark place. Um, she prescribed me a medication. I'm on Zoloft and Zoloft treats, um, 
uh, depression, anxiety, and OCD hmm. all at once. So like, I don't really know what yeah. the mess and mingle of it is. I mm-hmm. know, I know there's an anxiety disorder floating around in there, and there's depression floating around mm-hmm. in it's, the skulls. It's so <laughs> it's so fascinating when like when you think about all of these things that we've we've put these names on, and and because we put a name to them, we sort of think that we have this like these goalposts between which these things live. Yeah. When yeah. it's really not, it's so much more blurry than that. And I, I was, uh, th- this isn't a thing that's possible yet, but I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast with somebody who was talking about um, research that he's working on, which is trying to find biomarkers in blood work that mm. can, that are an indicator that, that can basically in this, at some point in the future, like diagnose, um, diagnose mental illness. Mm. So instead of having this like very subjective, you know, I think it's this or I think it's that. Yeah. More like you could go, you know, you've got it says this, it right here. Like, hey, it's like, a, like Jared, says, you've got cystic yeah. fibrosis. Yeah. It's not ambiguous. Yeah. We don't think you might have something else. There's no blurry lines. It's like yeah. you. That's what you got. You have a genetic mutation. That genetic mutation yeah. literally means cystic fibrosis. And it's like this guy's yeah. life work is yeah. trying to figure out how we can find an actual. biomarker that says this is what you're you're dealing with it is interesting though because like i mean like i feel like i'm way too dumb to know about this thing but like like maybe i'm curious about like how society impacts our experiences as people too like when you know um owen was talking yesterday about uh like school the way that the school system is developed to make you like focus on um learning things in a very specific way and being punished in a certain way and what that teaches you and and the way that makes you think. And we classify ADHD as a disorder because that way of thinking doesn't work for the system that we've created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's only a disorder because the system is the way that it is. And so like, it makes me wonder like how many things do we call mental illnesses that are actually just like, you know, an experience that just doesn't work as well or is a bit of a deficit because of the way that society is designed not the other way around. It's kind of like more like accessibility. I, I know that you guys don't really like when I talk about money, but Warren Buffett. I thought you were going to talk about Peter uh, Thiel. So. No, I'm not. But Warren <laughs> Buffett has this really interesting thing where he's like, where when he talks about philanthropy and making sure that companies and, and himself are like giving back, you know, he makes billions and billions of dollars. One of the big, runs one of the biggest companies in the world. He talks about philanthropy a lot. And he's like, he's like, I just have a brain that's really good at playing the game that we've set up in this world, that the world is playing. There's lots of people who like, who, who can't play this game very well because of whatever reason. And if like, if I was born in a different era and the game was different, then I'd be a bad player because my skill set is in this. And Mm -hmm. so he kind of talks about like, from a, from a, from the other perspective Mm -hmm. of going, I have. I just so happen to be able to play this game well. Because I think it's going. I think it's helping Claire. You sitting here telling her she's bad at the game. <laughs> Can we just? Like, no, I'm say, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying it from the other perspective of of, yeah. of going. Hey, he he's saying we no, need to be. Joking. We we need joking. to. We need to be a accom- We need to like, accommodate. We've no. set up this fucking mm-hmm. thing, and we need to recognize that just because just because people are varying degrees of being of good at playing the game that we've said is the game mm-hmm. we need to know well, about that we need to accommodate i mean we we have these classifiers like neurotypical or neurodivergent 
but it's really neurotypical for the way the game is designed right now and neurodivergent yeah. in the way that the game is designed right now. But if it was a different design game, then what's the neurodivergent be, might the be neurotypical. Be, the roles would but be reversed. I, I think of it not to like stay on this for too much longer, but I like because I'm a, a, a creative person, I think of um, when I think of a spectrum, I think of the color wheel. And I was mm-hmm. using this to describe um, my experience to Maddie the other day because I feel like on the color wheel, if ADHD was red, I feel like I'm I'm like very red. Like I have a lot of red in me. Um, but also ADHD is on my color wheel is next to autism. Like they're, they're sort of similar. There's things that are similar, but they're very different in some ways too. But they're like on a color wheel in terms of experiences. I could imagine that ADHD is red and autism is yellow. And I imagine that I have a tiny, tiny bit of yellow in me. I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm autistic, but like there are things with the autism experience that I, I relate to in a small way. And like, you know, people might hear that and go, no, you're not like, no, that's not true. But if you think of it as a spectrum, like, wouldn't it be possible that I have, you know, 10% of yellow in me and couldn't I have some of those similar traits? Like one of the things that I saw for autism is a guy was explaining his experience and it was like, I don't need to be right. I need to be correct in a situation because if you're not correct, you ruminate. And so he was like, it really hurts my brain when I'm not being understood in a way that um, makes me correct. He's like, I want to, I want to be correct. And if I'm not correct, I want to be corrected. I don't want to be told that I'm wrong because then I can't find out what the real answer is, which then makes me snowball into this like, like bout of anxiety. And I start to stress over it. And I'm like, Holy fuck, that's really me. I don't think I'm autistic, but in that situation, I'm like, I can see part of that in my experience, which makes me think of the color wheel and think, Oh, I got some yellow in me. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm trying to <laughs> like explain the experience of like, yeah. you guys know what so I'm saying. I, I hear you. So yeah. in your, in your specific experience, in your specific experience, um, Claire, if you, what wh- color are you? Wh- how much, <laughs> how much red do you have in you? No, um, going back to what like Taylor was saying about how like Warren Buffett's brain is like designed for the game or whatever. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to explain, like how I'm not well to people who like don't, like get it like don't have mental illness like i i don't know i the thought that comes to mind to explain it is that i'm like treading water and it's really really hard like i'm drowning like just living life i'm treading water when i'm really struggling i'm like almost drowning like there's water coming into my lungs i'm really struggling but like all the time i'm treading water sometimes i'm doing really good at it but there's always like i don't know i'm always effort. i'm there's yeah. always effort to like mm. like i'm never at ease, like it's always hard. Mm. Do you we ever feel get like, moments? Pardon? Like, is there ever moments that give you like a glimpse into what you are, what you what what you would l- like to experience, quote unquote? Do you know what I mean? Like when you say yeah. you're treading water, like, do you ever feel like you're not treading water? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no. like yeah, yeah, like that, like that moment, like that moment when you like see a sunrise or a sunset. Maybe I'm using this as an example because it's common experience, mm-hmm. and like, and like time disappears, and you. Yeah. Maybe in hindsight, you realize like, holy fuck, I think that was enlightenment for a split second. <laughs> and you're like, oh, f- oh, wow, that's really profound. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that in terms of feeling like you're not in that constant that gives you like a direction that you want to go towards, yeah. you'd like to work towards or, yeah. or try to get no, to? I, guess? I like I try to find those moments like um, I really like to like hike and like spend time in nature. And like I 
Um, like I, I really like photography. So like I'll like take my dog and like we'll go on like a nice long hike and I'll just like spend like two hours just like taking pictures of moss mm-hmm. <laughs> and like having a good old time. That's a, it's an interesting hobby. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, like I just like I'm focusing on something that's like unrelated to my life. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I think if I like switch back and think back to like everything that I have going on, like I get really overwhelmed. But mm-hmm. like there's definitely like moments of escape like yeah. moments Ooh. of like clarity and like some things I do. Do you ever listen to Sam Harris? No, man. You should listen to Sam Harris. He, he talks about like presence and that like whether you're dealing, I mean, anxiety is going yeah. to just like amplify this feeling for if, if you're, if you're dealing with anxiety, but kind of that everybody kind of lives on this mm-hmm. spectrum of suffering that is brought on by, brought on by the past that we want to change or the future that we are concerned about making Mm -hmm. the wrong decision about like how we move forward in in the future in time. And he talks about the present moment in this like really, this like really understandable, relatable way that kind that, that at least helps at least for me, make crystallizes the way that we, like when you say, when you, when you talk about being in the woods and looking at moss that like, that's just like where you are. That's what you're yeah. doing. And that's your, that is your past, present and future, like all kind of rolled into one. And you, like, you no. could live in the woods and just look at moss all the time and you'd be fine. I would You'd be, be totally so good. happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've like, I wrote, um, I like, I took a class like the past semester about like science communication, like communicating science. And mm. we had to like write a blog post about something. So I wrote it about like, um, the relationship between like a gratitude, like present moment kind of practice and mm-hmm. like, um, like spending time in nature and kind of like the science behind that. And like, I have like a background in biology. So I'm like, I'm really like fascinated by like living things. So like, um, I don't know. I was talking about like how I would like take my like walks in the woods and that would be like, I'm like, I would use this like a gratitude practice. Like I'm so grateful for being here. Mm. Isn't it? Like I like tell myself like, wow, it's so wonderful. Look at how complex everything is. Like I can look at like a rock with like five different species of moss on it. And I'm like, wow, there's a whole ecosystem down there. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't the world like cool? And then like, I feel like grounded. I feel grateful Mm -hmm. to be here. And that's something that really helps me kind of deal with my anxiety kind of keeps me like, I don't know, kind of adds a little bit of positivity to it. And there's like actual like science behind yeah, it. Yeah. Like spending time in nature is like correlated with like better human health, green spaces, I things mean, like that. Gratitude practices. Yeah. It was, I think it was, uh, it was last year maybe that like uh, the uh, doctors thing. in BC could start prescribing yeah. um, passes to national parks. And it was right. like, you know, it was like, Oh, you get a, we're going to get you a pass to a national park, get you outside. Mm. I mean, it, you know, the science is there. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Going back to like what your early stages of, of kind of navigating this when you were younger mm-hmm. and you were like, say, you know, in high school, um, do you recall ever 
trying to stimulate conversation with anybody around you to be like, hey, I am struggling or, you know, like what kind of supports did you either go to or have available to you when you were young? Yeah. Um, in high school, I think like the first time I ever told someone I needed help was um, my best friend at the time. And I was like sleeping over at their house um, and we were like lying in their bed just like chatting and then like I just like started like bawling and then I like totally like opened up to them about everything and then like we were both like 16 years old like um and then they were kind of just like I think you probably should talk to someone about that Mm. and then like um I don't think I did um but like the teachers in my school like definitely noticed that something was like wrong with me I had like really poor emotional regulation because I was just like so flooded like I, I I wanted to die like I was like like I was just not there. Like, mm. um, like everything was like, I don't know. Like I was like perfectionist. Like I needed to do this or I was going to like die. But I don't know. Like I'm just trying to think back to like my, like my thought patterns. Like it's not rational. Um, obviously it's mental illness, but like, yeah, I was just like very hopeless, like no emotional regulation. I was like crying all the time. Cause I just like, there was just like, I felt empty. Mm. Um, and like, I would just cry in class just like straight up. I would just like start bawling and then mm. I would have to leave. So like, I feel like more of my teachers should have said something because yeah. like I was, I was sitting there crying. Yeah. Do and you like, think like, do you think uh, like, do you think, I mean, I, I guess it's hard to say because like, yeah. you, don't, you actually don't know what anyone was thinking, but yeah. like, did you f- get the sense or the feeling that people just saw you as, you know, there's Claire, fucking crying, crying Claire, you know, like emotional <laughs> Claire again. I think so. Mm. Um, yeah. And like always been like a very sensitive person. So I think that's probably just what they thought. Mm-hmm. But like I had a couple of teachers that like took steps to like get me help. I had one teacher. He was like an angel. He was one of those people that you have and you like, I don't know, one of those teachers, you know, like he cares about every kid that like walks in the door. And like one time he looked at me and he goes, how you doing, Claire? And I was like, oh, I'm good. And then he's like, and he goes, how are you really doing? And I was like, <laughs> Uh, not so good and I kind of opened up to him a little bit and then I had one teacher who called the guidance counselor on me and then like ambush sent me down intervention style like intervention style I got like called down to like the guidance office and then like she was like one of your teachers is like notice that you're struggling and then I like kind of opened up to her about what I was feeling but I was like I was really ashamed that I was feeling like that Mm -hmm. I was really ashamed that I was like experiencing like suicidal ideation so I didn't I didn't really tell anybody like, even in those moments, where, those they, moments where they were like, I hey, it, yeah, I was like, I'm depressed. And they're like, do you mm. ever have thoughts about wanting to kill yourself? And I go, nope, I don't. Which is my own fault, I think, for like keeping it down. But I just think it's just because there's like such a culture of shame around mental illness. Totally. Like I didn't I didn't want to be sent to a hospital. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like I was I was scared. Um, so like even like when I like I went, my mom like took me to the doctor. She like she like didn't really know what to do like because like the guidance counselor obviously called her and was like hey Mm -hmm. like your kid's like really struggling um so she like made an appointment with my like like my family doctor and she was basically like um you should take an iron supplement and try meditating (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, I probably should have been going to therapy since I was like young, but like that's what happened. And then I just dealt for like the next four years. Fuck, I didn't know it was so easy to cure it with just (laughs) an iron supplement uh, and meditation. What was your parents' uh, reaction to getting that call? Were they like, yeah, we 
my dad were aware or was it like complete my mom was shocked my dad never said anything to me about it i don't even think she told him to be completely honest Mm -hmm. because like i've opened up to him in the past couple of years about like my mental health struggles and like i think it was like a hard conversation it seemed like new information to him right so like i think my mom just like kind of like kept it to herself and she was like shocked she had like no idea that Mm. it was like going on but like i don't know like i don't think we like spent too much time together when i was a teenager like i would I don't know. We'd like eat dinner. She'd drive me to school and then I would go hide in my room. Yeah. Okay. And again, like, like you're like, you're doing everything in your power to like I was hiding mask it. everything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's also so, very hard for parents, especially, how old are you? Uh, 22. 22. So we're not quite in the same generation, but we're not super separated. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's also very challenging for parents. Uh, I, I think we are of a different, we are of a different generation where mental health is just like there's just a difference there's a big difference in terms of understanding it talking about it uh accepting it and not not making it the taboo that it was for our for our for our parents and i can see it i can see a parent feeling very responsible yeah. Like for like when if you say you are feeling a certain way then i i would imagine it'd be very easy to go, that's my fault. Like you feel that way because me. Yeah, no, I d- I definitely think that's what my mom was going through. Like I, like she's I don't know. We're very similar people, so I think she probably blamed all that information, like on herself, and mm-hmm. was like, "What what did I do wrong? Like this is all my fault." And that was probably very hard for her. Mm. To and why hear. wouldn't she? Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I probably would too. Like, like, you know, like, and, and the issue is that you probably would too, if, you know, at a point where Zaya like comes to you and, and says, it, it's, it would be so hard for a parent not to go, totally. fuck, like what, because when we look at parenting, I mean, I don't know. I, I look at parenting right now and I go, it's, there's no way you can't fuck your kids up. Like, <coughs> it just it's, seems also, like it's like, it's in, it's inevitable. You're going to fuck them up somehow. But it's, but it's. And so when it comes back on you and, and, and even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't you, of course, it's going to be this easy thing mm-hmm. to go, fuck, I, I knew I should have done this or, or maybe like I fucking had a feeling that this might, you know. I, but my, the I, feeling that, the feeling that it, the feeling that it's your fault and I and I and I, I think you're right. I think there will be. I think there would inevitably be feelings of that, yeah. big or small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in past gener- in older generations, it's probably bigger because the understanding of mental health is less than what we have now. Interesting. So I also wonder I think, if in the past generations, if it was there. just like, man, it's just you know. Yeah. I, I mean, this is like maybe even a but, further generation back, where it's like. I don't know. You know, your your brain just gets wonky. You know, but, but honestly, yeah, some, we, yeah. But guys, yeah. like sometimes like, we get wonky. It's also okay for parents to feel like part of it is their fault because oftentimes it is their fault, and that's okay because like we grow up with the idea that our parents are perfect. Like we're born mm-hmm. into this world and look at our parents. Initially, like I think most kids think, "Oh, my parents can do no wrong. They're the perfect people," and so oftentimes as as kids when our parents have done something to us that we can like look at and go, Hey, you did, you made the wrong decision there and it had a negative effect on me. Most of the time we blame ourselves Mm -hmm. and don't like let them shoulder some of that responsibility. And so I think it's okay for parents to blame themselves in some situations because I think it is partly their responsibility and we, we should be okay with that more and not to say that they're a bad parent because they did that, but it's like they, it's that. And instead of, but it's like, 
you're you're a great parent and you let me down in that situation and it fucked me up a little bit and that's okay i still love you and you made a mistake i guess yeah i think i think where i think where my train of thought was going on that is that if 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 they if a parent internalizes it as all their fault yeah and and the and there's a and there might be a lack of understanding about mental health then then that can create a negative loop cycle where it's like they're not dealing with that and yeah. not, there's no communication with you which yeah. is like which isn't which which then in turn makes it harder for you to process everything that you're going through and then which then can also this, lead to like a lack of a lack yeah. of actually finding finding that's, support that's yeah. the true de- generational gap though is that like our parents don't acknowledge their own mental health and therefore because they don't Mm. they will then maybe say this is all my fault and then beat themselves up over it which then creates that negative loop that Mm. you're talking about but if they actually just manage their own feelings and we manage our own feelings better and we're not and i'm not not saying that this is your parents just like talking brian is brian is (laughs) (laughs) taylor's not brian i want to be very clear but i'm not (laughs) none of us are trying to shrink you (laughs) but like this I mean, the reason why I'm saying all these things is because it's super personal for me because yeah. I think of my experience. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not projecting on... I don't mean to be projecting on you if it no. seems that way. But, no. <laughs> I like, as soon as we talk about this stuff, it hits really close to home for me. So I'm, mm-hmm. like, sharing my thoughts because if somebody is listening to this and feels the same way, I hope that they can feel less alone in that. No, I totally get that. Um, I feel like the feedback loop kind of thing that Taylor was saying was like definitely a thing where it was like, mm. I don't want to stress my mom out because yeah. me like like being mentally ill obviously is hard for her. So we just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I think I got I kind of like like in my like I don't even know how long ago it was like three or four years ago. Um like 20, it was 2019. I started like seeing a therapist. Cause I was like, okay, like I am not well, like I'm like, I don't know, like hurting myself, like hurting my relationships because I'm like so anxious. Like I like need to do something about it. So I like, um, I started doing like a talk therapy, like, like online, like even like before COVID just cause like I'm from Ontario. I go to school out here. Like it was just easier to like find someone that I could consistently Mm. see throughout the year. Um, And like I started doing that. I had to like cycle through like a couple therapists because one of them was really messed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One of them was really mentally ill. A tale tale as old as time. I don't know if we've ever (laughs) met somebody who's done therapy that hasn't been like. This guy told me to get a nose job, basically. Um, He was like, yeah, it was messed. He was like. Um, he's like t- walking me through all, I'm going to go through all the things he said. Cause it was crazy. This is my favorite thing. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's go. He, this is he goes, he goes, okay. So you can need to turn, him. can you make let's it a top 10? Can you make it a top 10 so we yeah. can post yeah. on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you need to turn your Wi-Fi off at night because your router is making you anxious. The waves coming off of your router. Oh not no. Wow. Your you are. Right. It's oh, one man, of those guys. You already <laughs> fucking made this as bad as it could be. Holy shit. What else? Um, and I went, I live with roommates. That's not going to happen. Um, yeah. not, not like being like, I'm not fucking doing that guy. He's like, you don't charge your cell phone with a, with a charging like, pad, do you? He, um, 
not to i know all it's of you guys five g people. yoga instructors not to, he was a yoga instructor but he was Fuck like those guys yeah, <laughs> not, not to shit on you guys but he was like trying to like he's trying to like i don't even know what he was like trying to teach me he's like this is like my this is my breathing technique i learned in india and i was like i actually can't do that because i have a deviated septum so like i can't breathe through one of my nostrils so like is there something i can do that's like not based off of breathing through my nose and he goes no you know my wife had a deviated septum and like she got that fixed and that actually really helped her it opened up her airway and like she can breathe better and she feels better now yeah and i was and i was like anecdotes i was like okay wow um, wow, wow, wow and then wow, he was like wow, you wow. should really get that fixed like it's covered by oh hip whatever like he was like just telling me like i really need to fix my deviated septum not a nose job actually but like go i mean get that nose is surgery. Rhin- that is rhinoplasty yeah go go get nose surgery so you can do my breathing techniques and turn off your router and you'll feel better i'll so be the I first had- to say <laughs> and the first to admit that there are plenty of people in the yoga world out there that just don't get it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you speak to anyone who thinks that the waves coming off your router are going to fuck your shit up. That's yeah. that's. I mean, that's my that's, that's my red flag to go. I am out of here. That's we the had, reddest flag. We had one session. Yeah, yeah. that was it. That so, like, I, I was scared of he, therapy for a little while, but yeah. I tried again, and it was and, better. And after the was the second time better? Or? The second time was a lot better. She helped me through like a lot of like family issues that I was going through, helped mm. me like develop some like coping strategies kind of to deal with that. And like it, it helped significantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would love to talk about like the, the story behind the time that you decided to get like seek medical intervention. Yeah. Um, because I, I think it's a really interesting story and, um, and also kind of, you know, I think for anybody who's listening to this, like it's an important story to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, can you kind of like walk us through that? Yeah. So um, it was like, it started. So I, so I got, I'm going to start with like my dog because he's very central to this yes. story. Yeah. Um, so I got a puppy. I got a COVID puppy, um, November of 2020. Um, probably not like the best decision I've ever made. Um, but I love him and he's here. So anyway, so that's, we're going to start with that. So I was living in Ontario with my parents. Then I got a dog. And then two months later, I got like a co-op job, um, out here working at like a, like the, the science center. Um, so I had to like go out and move by myself. So I was living alone with my dog, like whatever was fine. He was a puppy. We were chilling. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't doing bad. I wasn't doing great, but like, I don't know, I was having like some like relationship anxiety stuff with my partner, um, but like nothing, nothing too terrible. And then um, that like job ended and then my like sublease ended. So I moved in with my partner and a roommate um, and we moved into this new house and like the walls were like really thin and it was a new environment for my dog who's like, I was like telling you guys about it. He's like a really anxious little herding dog. So like he was like barking at like, like footsteps above, like everything, just like mm-hmm. adjusting to the move. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, normal dog stuff, like dogs bark at things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I managed to get it in my head that I was going to get evicted because the dog was barking so much. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. Um, he would bark like, one time if someone dropped something mm-hmm. and it would happen like a few times a day right. so like nothing like he's not disrupting anyone say he's not sitting there barking for like half an hour straight so like it's nothing that like anyone's gonna like complain to the landlord mm-hmm. about but i like got it in my head that like that's what was gonna happen um and i just like was ruminating on it like i like kind of like what you're saying either like i was like looping kind of on that stuff um 
I was like counting the times in a day that my dog would bark, like things <laughs> like that. I was <laughs> like, okay, like they're not gonna complain about me if he only barks five times a day. And like, I was doing that. And it was just like all I could think about. And then, so like my life, I was just constantly anxious. Like there was like four months straight of just like heightened anxiety, mm. like tight in my chest the whole entire time. Oh my God. Like it was just, it was painful. Like it was like, I was like suffering. Um, and yeah. And then like my dog, like he started having like more behavioral issues, probably like, um, partially he was like anxious because I was anxious so much. So like, and he's a herding dog. So it's like normal for him to like be reactive to certain things out on walks. So he started like, and also like, um, he started getting nervous because like a lot of people would like pet him without my permission and he was nervous and like I wasn't like sticking up for him as much as I should have been. So he started getting nervous of like strangers and things. So then like that led into like us not being able to have guests over or we'd have to do like a really long introduction to the Ooh. dog because he would be so nervous and like barky. And then I would be like, oh, if he's barking at the people that are coming over, then someone's going to complain about me. So it was just like this anxious loop for like four months. And then like um, so that was like started in like May and then by se September I just like crashed like I was anxious for like four months um, those four months should have been like the best four months of my life as well because I was doing like the Mike Dow Marine Biology summer courses so I went like shark tagging I was like out Whoa, like cool. for like two cool. weeks like just like at the beach all day like just like sampling stuff like going like snorkeling like that should have been amazing but yeah. all I was thinking about was like my anxious ruminations and like it like ruined like it ruined my summer mm. and then I was so tired by the end of it that like come the fall I was just so depressed like I would be like driving down the highway and I would be like I would see like a big rock and I'll be like I could turn my car into this rock right now and that would that would fix things I'd feel better like just like I don't know like really dark shit mm, and then yeah. I was like okay this is not good I would like tell my, I finally like opened up to my partner about it. Like he knew that I was struggling, but like not to the degree. Um, and he was like, okay, like, here's what we're going to do. Like you need help. We're going to, you're going to start seeing like your counselor again. Cause I would like kind of like be on and off with right, my counselor. Right. Um, so I started and she was like, okay, like this is, this is a lot. Like you're going to need to like see a doctor. Like she's like, I think you need like some sort of medical intervention. Like this is kind of like beyond the scope of what I can help you with. So I like, um, like went to the doctor through the university and like, I f at first had a bad experience with one of the doctors. I like really don't like her. I refuse to see her. She like, basically I was like, I'm feeling like really anxious. I think I like need, I like, I, d I don't know. And she goes, okay, what med? I'm going to put you on this med, like five minutes, like a two minute conversation. And I was hmm. like, that's okay. wild. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I you didn't hear anything about my life. Like you just want to put me on like medication. I was like, I, I get, you're trying to like get in, get out, like you're busy, but like, so I didn't at that That's point. Fucked. And yeah. then it like took me like a while again to like go back. I saw a different doctor who had a whole 20 minute phone call. She like, I went through like the whole spiel, like I just gave you guys now, but like even more in depth, like all my like symptoms, everything. And then like at the end of that, she was like, okay, this is what I'm going to recommend. We can try this like a low dose. And then like it makes it way more sense. Yeah. To, like, which go makes, that, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, like, and then we like would check in every once in a while with like how my meds went. And like, I kept seeing my like counselor and it like, it helped me like, I don't know, helped me like climb out of the hole I had yeah. like dug myself into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so like, it is the, the part of that story that I find so interesting is like 
this thing that is currently laying on this table in front of us, this dog. Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> dog. What? <laughs> Ta- Wake up. Dog. Uh, this dog that's laying in front of us here, Donut, like, he, in my world, like, he is such a relief. Mm-hmm. And he brings me so much joy. And, and yet also can bring me so much stress. Yeah. And, and you talk about your dog and it's like, you have this dog that's like, not a therapy dog, but to you, it offers you so much therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. But it also was the th- like was the thing yeah. that was at the root cause of like putting you into this place where you had to seek medical intervention. Mm-hmm. And it's just so fascinating that you know, I mean, it just it just it just, ma- it just makes me think about how like interesting mental health can be. Like these mm-hmm. these things that have such a grand effect on your life that when you look back at now, you can yeah. literally look at it and go, ugh. There was nothing. There was <laughs> yeah. nothing to be worried about. Like there, were, you know, the dog wasn't a, like a nuisance. The dog wasn't actually a problem. It was no. just all this thing that was like driving me to madness. I mean, that's the yeah. thing about mental health is the is rationality mm-hmm. ceases to exist to be yeah. of any use. Yeah, and like that's yeah. the most frustrating part of of it. Like I am, I am the most pragmatic, rational person, and whenever I Whenever I feel that sensation of anxiety in my chest, which admittedly is very rare, mm-hmm. but felt, I'm like, immediately I go, why? I need to know why. And I think about it. And I always come to the, con- and I just come to the conclusion. Well, I guess maybe rationality does play a role there. Cause I go, there's no rational answer for this. Like my rationale is that there's no rationale. Mm-hmm. That's and because that, you don't have a mental and then illness. I, I, no, I know. Like no, no, because I know, you don't have generalized things. <laughs> and then, I, and then, and then, but, but then, but then, the, then, then, what happens is I go. I guess I'll wait till this is fucking over. You know, because I can't. Because there's nothing to do. I can't. Because yeah. it's I've, still there. Yeah, I've come to fix it. I've come to yeah. the rationale that yeah. I can't do anything yeah. about it. Yeah. like it's un. It's unfixable. Now, the, 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 I wanted. I wanted to ask Claire. Like during that time. Um, you've mentioned your partner a few times, yeah. but I'm I'm curious, like what the com- because like four months is not a not a short period of time. No, um, and obviously, I I the way that you paint the picture, I can imagine that it's it's not not unobvious that you're going mm-hmm. you're going through something during that time. So, what was the conversation like with your partner through that? Like, did you did you talk about it a lot, or is this is this a more obvious thing in hindsight? Um, we talked about it a little bit. Like, I think, I don't think I ever let him in onto like how like badly it was truly affecting me, but I would like bring it up a lot. Like I would kind of like use him to like soothe my anxiety in a way. I would be like, oh, like this is fine. Like he's not barking that much. And he'd be like, yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, and then like one of the things like Jira said, it was like driving me to madness. It like actually was. Mm. I like, uh, one of my anxiety symptoms is like, I'll have like, I don't know if they're like dreams or like hallucinations. I don't know. I haven't actually spoke to my doctor about this, but I know it like actually like happens when I'm really anxious. So I like would start to hear him. Like I would wake up from a sleep because I would hear him bark. He didn't bark. My partner was lying in bed next to me. He didn't wake up like, and like the dog was sleeping. I would go like check. I'd look in his like little, his like crate and he'd be asleep. So I like was just like so worried about it. And then I'd like wake him up. I'd be like, did you hear him? Did you hear him bark? And he'd be like, mm. no. 
like go back to bed mm-hmm. so like he obviously he like knew something was going on and then like he's st- i think just like based off of like how i was acting like i think i wasn't like fully self-aware of it until like much later on too yeah like just how bad it was getting mm. like like a, f- a couple of times he was like hey like maybe maybe you want to go back and see your therapist mm-hmm. again what what has that been like um like how has your relationship evolved as you know you've sort of learned about your experience and i, I think too in like in in the frame of like uh, being a perfectionist and not yeah. and not wanting like kind of wanting to hide some of that from your partner so that you don't feel like a burden on them too like how has that sort of shifted through the course of your relationship? Ooh, yeah, um, or has it? It it definitely has. I think part of it is like when I would get anxious like very early on in our relationship and I would like seek him out to sort of like help calm me down or like just to like lend an ear. Um, he would like, it would get me like really frustrated and make things worse because he would always like, he would always try to fix the problem, Mm. um, which like sounds dumb because he was like offering me solutions, but it's, it's not what I needed in the moment. Mm, I needed him just to listen to me. Mm -hmm. So we had to like work through that. Like for like, it, it took us a really long time to work through like, okay, if I am having a hard time, I need you just to sit there and be there and just go, mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. And like, that's, that's something that like has had to evolve. Ooh. Like as we've, it's as such we've a classic. Together. Yeah. It's such a classic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I do, I still do that. I still do that where I still got to go oh, fucking dude, try to stop yeah, trying to stop fix trying it. To, yeah. um, trying to I, fix it all the time. I think that's really interesting too. I've, I found that one of the most helpful things for, for me in therapy has been, I think like oftentimes before when I had things in my life that would cause me stress that I didn't know why they were causing me stress and like that would lead to conflict in my relationship. Mm-hmm. I I didn't because I didn't understand the root of it. I didn't understand what I really needed from my partner. Yeah. And like as I start to like dissect some of those, you know, some of some of the conflict that like Maddie and I have had, um I start to understand like where that has come from and then I understand for future situations like what I actually need and like that that point that you made of like you know your partner wanting to fix something when really you just need like somebody to listen to you and be an ear I mean I think that's that's probably true for a lot of people in in the sense that like you know they go to their partner with one they they need one thing the person's trying to be helpful but it's not helpful and then that just leads to like further conflict but also it's really hard to like communicate what you need when you don't know what -hmm. that is too so yeah, it's yeah. it's an interesting challenge, I think, in relationships. How how is your you you mentioned it earlier, and you mentioned sleep, and that uh, you would wake up and sort of be worrying about the the mm-hmm. your dog. How was your sleep like broadly during that time? I or 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 even generally like in your like how how well do you sleep? Because sleep is just such a yeah. It's so it's so much more important than the average person knows about. Um, and it can have such a effect on the way that we are right now. I sleep well, I don't know. I've got this Fitbit that like tracks my sleep and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like I try to like get like a good amount of sleep, like for me every night, it's like around like eight hours is like my like benchmark. Like if I get less, like it sure. messes me up, but I was getting like six hours of sleep. Yeah. I would like, I think I like, it took me a really long time to like settle and like calm down and like stop moving at night. And then like when I would get into bed, like I would be like thinking a lot. So like I think my like anxiety would like affect my sleep, which mm-hmm. would like yeah, affect, affect my anxiety. And then it would just like yeah. just be a big old mess. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, in times of stress and like in times of like 
anxiety and stuff. I definitely sleep a lot. When less. you when you got on the medication uh, after that second time with the doctor, yeah. Um, what was the, you know, how did things start to feel after you started started medication? At first, it was terrible. Like the side effects of that medication hit me so hard, and like I had to like push through it. I f- it like one of the side effects is like brain fog, and I. I felt like a zombie. Mm. Like I just, I, I just, I was just walking around. Like I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I was, I was just not present. Like I could, I wasn't thinking properly. Like I, I was just like so much slower to react and things like that. And that was like a month. Um, I also had like morning sickness from the medication. Basically, like every morning, I would be super nauseous as like my body was like adjusting to the dose. Um, so that was really hard at first, but like I stuck with it because like a lot of like a lot of mental health medications take like a couple of months to like actually see any form of result. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I just suffered yeah. <laughs> for like and a month and then it felt like it, it gave me a bit of clarity. Like it, mm. it doesn't mm. cure anything sure. obviously, but like it, it like, I feel like it, tampers down my symptoms enough that I can function. Yeah, right. Have like it's just about quality of life. But so yeah. but so those like the brain fog and the and the the morning sickness like yeah. that that eventually passed. It eventually passed. It took like a month to pass. Okay. Um I still like the brain fog, um, I'm sure if I had like, like my dose went up, it would come back. But sure. like my body's like settled on like the dose that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um but the nausea, like I have to like I have to like eat it with food and then like I have to like take it right before bed and then like if I don't do those things like I'll be super nauseous so like I have to be like really careful about that but like other than that I don't think I have many side effects from it that like last Mm -hmm. yeah which is good yeah 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 but yeah it's I mean like the list of side effects for a lot of those medications are like you know they're one of the things that I think keep people from from going down that route, yeah, you know, because it's like, oh fuck, like I'm gonna take this. It's gonna make me. It's gonna give me brain fog. It's gonna tank my fucking like libido. It's gonna make yeah. me. It's gonna change who I am, and, and which I get, I totally get. Yeah. But also, it you know, if if you if you can get to a point where you can take it and it doesn't necessarily it doesn't do all of that, and yeah. it like, and know. pharmaceuticals just seem to have like yeah, wildly different yeah. Uh, wildly different effects including for a lot of people mm-hmm. no 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 effect like and like yeah. no like no 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 benefit yeah. is what, what but have you ever tried uh, an iron uh, supplement and like <laughs> yeah. and getting that Meditation? nose fixed or what yeah meditate too that'll fix yeah. it <laughs> you're just around too many wi-fi signals <laughs> <laughs> um, it, this, the conversation about medication is really interesting i was i was talking to a friend the other day who has been trying to come off of medication and his goal I, I was asking him, I was like, what is your goal of coming off medication? And he was like, I just want to feel better. And his doctor was suggesting like, maybe instead of coming off medication entirely, he needs to go on a new medication. And he's like, I just really don't want to do that. I just want to be mm-hmm. done with these meds. And I was like, what is your goal? Like, what is your ultimate goal? And he's like, I just want to feel better. I'm like, so what if taking a different pill yeah. that can yeah. help make you feel better than you feel now yeah. works? And the meds, so I mean, you, you know, better. not to like, like get into it, but the meds he's taking now are like, they're really bad. They're yeah. really not yeah. good. Like they're yeah. just 
They're, they're, really, not, they're, they're, they're really intense meds. They're objectively like, not good. And no one should be on them for... <laughs> to clarify, they're not meant to be on No, they're not meant to be on like for a long period like, of time. Like exactly. some other medications yes. are meant to be on Like Zoloft, I think. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's one of those meds where it's like, yeah. you can take Zoloft for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, in terms of like where you are now, um, you know, you missed out on the best summer of your life. Eh, well, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's probably better summers ahead. And yeah. so like where, 100%. you know, where are you now in terms of like your, you know, managing the the illness? How do you relate to it now? Like after having, because again, like you're, you're, you are, you're quite young. It, it's like, yeah. we're, we're talking about your, the period of t- the time of, you know, 13, you start to notice this, yeah. which is fucking trippy. Cause you were, you were saying you listen to the podcast from like almost day one. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like 14. A, you're 14 <laughs> at that point. Like it's big. The podcast Holy shit, been Not, around like that I think I was were. 15, but 14, 15, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. But, so uh, I mean, a, quite a, 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 a you know quite a length of time. Yeah, that's actually that's that's it's it's that makes me feel I know, weird. I know. And so so this this like this this sort of trip into you know taking medication it, yeah. it's it still is quite new it is yeah and so like where does that leave you now like how are you feeling about the present moment and like how do you feel about what you have ahead of you i i think i have a long way to go like i like i don't know i'm just in a place where it's like it's hard to access like care for mental health yeah. for like everyone and i'm in like a weird kind of transition phase of my life like um like I'm on my parents' benefits, but like they're not always the best. Um, like I don't have like a full time job or anything where like I can like and I have no money because I'm a student who's in mm. debt. So I like I can't afford to go see a psychologist. And like I don't think that I currently am like I think I can like be better, but I don't have like the access to the care mm, I need yeah. now. I feel like I could probably try a bit harder, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to get care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I, I feel like I, like, I don't know. I, I like I'm on medication, but I feel like I don't have like a concrete diagnosis that's been given to me for anything. Like I, I would really like to sit down with the psychologist and have like a long-term sort of like therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. and work on like a lot of my different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian is going to like this, but I also think that I might struggle with ADHD as mm-hmm. well. Like there's just a lot of shit Love going that for on. You. Love here. that for you. Like I have a lot of neurodivergent people <laughs> in my life, a lot of people with ADHD and based off of their diagnoses and like the research I've done, like I have like a lot mm. of things that align with it. So I don't know. I feel like I have a really long way to go, but I don't know. Just what I've done so far has made my quality of life. And does uh, does SeaWorld have good benefits? Probably terrible benefits. Terrible benefits for the sea, for the for the for the wildlife, but uh, the humans are fucking. I I I don't like sea. No, no, yeah, I don't think think any of us do. I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask. Like, is is it? I mean, I guess I'm not sure if I'm having this realization now, or if if this this has been a bit of a theme throughout the podcast. Not just this conversation, but like throughout throughout us recording the podcast. Is like, do you feel a little bit like, like? people want to just like treat you enough to make you no longer quote unquote a problem to the healthcare system rather than like actually having the goal of making you enabling you to thrive. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like where I am right now is kind of like where I've maxed out like the, I don't know, 
like the more accessible kind of options. Like I don't actively want to kill myself. So like it's, it's not easy to yeah. like get into therapy. Yeah. Like the that's Dow- medicine 2.0 dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's good. Like here, like because you no longer want to end your life, this is good enough for now. You're going to have to just learn to live with this, mm. you know, sh- sort of like shittier situation yeah. rather than like, Hey, let's really dig into this and spend time. Yeah. And inevitably, money. Yeah. Uh, to like get you better. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. There's a there, to to give context to that. There's like this concept of of medicine 2.0. Where'd you hear about that? No, I'm not even gonna say it. I don't need to say it because it's not even because I because I know you That's guys. That's right. Are, you don't need to say it. I don't. Everyone say, knows. I don't need to say it. You guys know what I'm talking about. That basically, like medicine 2.0 is like where we are in the world, where like what we have and what we've had for a long time, which is just an outdated approach to medicine, which is treat it when it's a crisis. And if it's not a crisis, let it ride and mm-hmm. just only come in here when it's, when you are on the ba- brink, on the brink. Yeah. And if you're not on the brink, it's all good. And instead of let's never get you to the brink, yeah. let's make sure you never even get there. Yeah. And that's the next like phase of medicine. That's just at the time, to- at the, at, at the current, at this current juncture seems extremely challenging i don't know what the answer is i'm reading a book hopefully it'll give me the answer i'm not gonna say what book it is i'm not gonna say what the author is you don't need to but we hope hopefully (laughs) we'll get there um i before we get into the the last uh two-part question um one thing that i i just thought of about uh, that i'm surprised that we didn't bring this up yet but you know you were you were talking about how when you were younger you really kept this from everyone yeah you masked it really well um but now you're sitting on a podcast talking (laughs) to like thousands and thousands of people about it so like when did that shift when when did it when did it start to change for you where you where you felt comfortable and like brave enough to like just be open about your mental health experiences Oof. It's definitely been like a transition that's happened. Mm-hmm. Like I was in the past like two years. Um, I, oh, I don't even know. I think like, I think like just more people talking about it has made me more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, it's even taken me this long to get to this point. Like I said, I've listened to your podcast since the beginning and you're, it's all about talking about how you're struggling. Um, it, whether physical or mental illness, but like it took me this long to be able to like even talk to my like family mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think just everyone like as kind of as a cultural, the sort of like, like cultural shift a little bit towards more people opening up. I think me kind of like having like a definitive crisis kind of helped. I also like <laughs> when I had my like phone call with my doctor, um, I had to take it in the car because I like, I really needed to get on those meds. And like, I had to like pick up my boyfriend from somewhere. Otherwise he was going to be like stranded. But like, I had this like phone doctor's appointment. So I had to take this call with two of my boyfriend's coworkers in the car who were like people that I like kind of <laughs> no knew. So I had to go oh, like, no. it, it, it was, I, I just, I just laid it all out. And these two, these poor, oh. these poor people, they were just sitting in the backseat, just like, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, so 
Um, I've been experiencing suicidal ideation <laughs> for the past three months. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, sitting in the front seat. And you're seat. going, like, you're like, you're like I've been thinking about driving <laughs> this car off the road. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're driving these I two wasn't dudes. driving, so that, that was a good thing. Um, no, oh, only, fuck. only when I'm alone in the car. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just preface. See, they're um, just going, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then like after that happened, one of them, they DM'd me on Instagram and they were like, hey, Claire, like I know that was like really hard to do. Like, um, like I've been like struggling with this as well. Like, just like you're not alone type of thing. Like Mm. it was like good to like hear you kind of like open up about it. And like the more people that I talk to about it, like in my personal life, um, the more I open up about it, like they either just have a better understanding of what I'm going through. Yeah. It seems like, or there's like a connection that forms like they're like, Oh, okay. So you understand how I feel. Right. So I don't know. They feel like they can open up to me a bit more yeah. about their own struggles. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I think like I, like I, since I started opening up about it, like that was a really fucking awkward car ride, but yeah. like nothing bad happened. <laughs> yeah. Like I needed to do it. I got on meds and then someone like, I had like a vulnerable moment. I had like a, a personal connection because yeah. of it that was impactful to my life. And I think that's probably the moment where I just, I didn't stop shutting up about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, what would you say is the biggest thing that, um, that your experience with anxiety has taken away from you? Um, definitely say like just being present in moments that I should have been enjoying. Like I said, like, yeah. like just that summer, like I, I don't know. Could I could have been having more fun and like just just experiencing like I don't know, like the good times in my life. Like I don't know or like even just like when I'm home with my partner and my dog and we're just like all like sitting on the couch watching a movie or we're like eating dinner together. Like I think that me being constantly anxious has taken away from my ability to like appreciate how good my life actually is. Mm. And yeah, um just yeah it's taken mm. knocked knocked my quality of life down a peg in terms of like my appreciation for things what would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you um i think the biggest thing that it's given me is like a more open perspective like i i think that because i've struggled with this i have a little bit um I can, I don't know, not to say that people who haven't struggled aren't capable of giving people who are struggling like space, but I think it, it helps me to sympathize or empathize with people who are struggling, even with things that are like different from me. Like, um, uh, I work with kids, like I was like an instructor in a summer camp and like, because of like all the people in my life who are neurodivergent and my own like mental health struggles, like when I see a kid who's like struggling kind of, instead of automatically being like oh they're an asshole like why are they doing that like just kind of like sitting back and being like okay like why are they acting like this like Mm. kind of like what what are they struggling with that is causing them to kind of like to exhibit these behaviors Mm -hmm. like I think it it, I, I think it has given me a bit more patience with people and I think that's just benefited a lot of the relationships with my in my life and helped me form deeper connections with people. One hundred percent. I think there's a, I think there's something that to what you said there that 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 anybody and everybody should look should should hear that and and think about the ways in which the ways in which they can relate to the struggles of other people 
even when they haven't gone through that thing. Mm -hmm. Because a hard thing is a hard thing is a hard thing. And even though the, uh, the experiences aren't identical, like I got hit by a car and I spent a week in the hospital. It's like, yeah. boom, all of a sudden I go, hmm, that makes me think about like Jer's experience in the hospital. Like I see that through a different mm-hmm. lens. Mm-hmm. That makes me experience not being able to walk around freely. So somebody with a whatever disability who, who has issues with walking or can't walk, you know, like all these different things. Yeah. Um, fuck, I saw this couple. This is totally kind of off topic, but I saw this. I saw these, this couple and they were kind of walking and, and, and they were like, they were kind of like walking in an embrace in this like really sort of like way that, oh, in a way that m- most of the time I would go, I would go, that's fucking weird. Why are you walking? Like, why are you walking down the street? Like, like wrapped around each other. Mm-hmm. And then I had this thought. Are they like, walk fucking? <laughs> no, they weren't. Walk- no, they no. no. Uh, I'm familiar with walk fucking, but no, they weren't. Um, and I and then I had this thought, like, man, who knows? They must have just got off the phone, and like one of their fucking parents might have just died. Like, yeah. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I had that thought this morning, I think, and I was like, let's not, uh, let's not. Everyone's everyone's waking up with something. <laughs> yeah, you know? Clara, I I just want to say too, like, I I have such an admiration and an appreciation for people who come on to this podcast who have like anxiety in particular yeah. <laughs> who come on like, yeah. you know, like you're a young woman coming into this space with like three 30 year old guys to like share your like vulnerable life story with us. Like that takes a lot of guts yeah. and like none of man, us are 30. We're not that young, but like we're in our thirties. Yeah. We're our 30s. <laughs> but, but yeah, I have a huge <laughs> respect for you for, for doing that. And, and no doubt like somebody's listening right now who, is going through something very similar and it's going to make a big difference for them yeah. to hear your story. So yeah. thank you. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. That's why I wanted to come on. Cause mm. yeah, just, just hoped it could help someone to hear. <laughs> it will. It will. Um, well, yeah, thank you. I, I mean, that's, I think that's a good place to end things on. Um, this has been, this has been really great. Claire, thanks for coming on and, and diving into, um, why you're so mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> Give her she's a break, just, man. She's just real loopy, isn't she? She's got a little though. loopy, a little nuts. A little bit kooky. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. <laughs> but Thank really, you. this has been really fun. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.